Welcome to the Culture Builders podcast channel, looking at how individual and team performance builds strong cultures. Hosted by Jane Sparrow and Chris Preston. You are listening to a deep dive episode. Hello, my name is Jane Sparrow, founder and author at The Culture Builders. And as part of work on culture, we very often talk about the basic need for human connection being critical before we can even start looking at resilience or community or performance and so on. And so when I heard about the blue tits, I was particularly interested to find out more. And actually, you may even be able to hear some blue tits in the background because there are some next to my window as I record this with the person that founded and completely drives an amazing organisation called The Blue Tits, all about human connection, resilience, health, story sharing, inspiration, but I will not do it justice myself. So I'm thrilled to invite and welcome Sean Richardson, the founder of The Blue Tits, to join us and tell us more about the work today. Sean, thank you for joining us. You're very welcome. Hello. Thank you. Sean, you will explain this better than me. I would love for you to tell everyone listening, what is The Blue Tits? Because I'm, I'm sure a few minds are boggling right now. And How did you get started and and why? Where did the journey start? Well, it all started when after years and years of doing triathlon and long distance events, my body kind of said, that's enough now. We need to do something else. And I was still in that kind of challenge mode. So somebody suggested I train for the ice mile. Now, I'd never really heard of the ice mile. And all I heard was the word mile. So I thought, well, that'll be interesting. You've got to swim a mile in water that is under five degrees, uh, wearing just a swimsuit hat and goggles. And I honestly thought it was going to be quite easy because swimming a mile wasn't that difficult for me at that time. And I I really didn't understand what under five degrees meant. I thought, well, it can't be that cold. (laughs) So So it was October 2014. I got rid of my wetsuit and I went into the sea in Pembrokeshire. It was 13 degrees. And I was very surprised at how 13 degrees felt on a swimsuited body. So one that had been in a wetsuit for very many years. So I'd always swum here because I was born here um, above the cliff, on the cliff top above the sea in Pembrokeshire. But I I'd kind of just got used to the wetsuit. So it was very cold and I made an awful lot of noise. And there was me and a friend doing it together. But I was intrigued. And there were weren't many women who'd swum this ice mile. I think at the time there were like 60 women in the world who had done it. So I quite liked this. This this intrigued me. So I carried on swimming throughout that winter um, here in Pembrokeshire. And because I was making an awful lot of noise and I was actually quite enjoying it because this was a real challenge to me, one that I wasn't expecting to be a challenge. 
um, people were coming up to me because there's me, of course, on a beach in Pembrokeshire in a swimsuit in a howling gale or something. <laughs> and people are coming up to me. So some people were worried that I was perhaps not in the in a good frame of mind. And some people were intrigued. And it was those who were intrigued that said, I would like to join you. So very slowly they did. Now, it took me three years to train for this ice mile, which I honestly thought I was going to crack out in a couple of months. So over that three years, more and more people joined me. And then in the summer months here, I've got a campsite above um, the beach. And so people would see me swimming across the bay, which is about a mile in a swimsuit. And then they were intrigued. So this was 2014, 15, 16, where open water swimming here in a swimsuit wasn't you know you didn't see that many people doing it so they were intrigued I can't believe you've just swum across the bay in a swimsuit all of this kind of stuff and these were people now who came from away so my husband in the meantime had said I haven't seen you this happy in in very many years um, you should call yourself something he said the blue tits is funny because when you come back your tits are blue and we all laughed and we thought yeah the blue tits is funny so we called ourselves the Blue Tits and we started this little group. And because I kind of my hanker back to my days of Blue Peter badges, I gave everybody a little badge when they swam with me. So people went away and set up their own Blue Tit groups in London, you know, in in Bath, in down in Cornwall. And I gave them badges. And then eventually my husband said, this is actually costing a fortune. And I said, OK, you know, so I'll start selling some T-shirts to pay for the badges. And we did. But we grew and grew and grew. And I was running the blue tits from our campsite office, which was taking now up far too much space because we had T-shirts and sweatshirts and all sorts in there. So I, I was very fortunate to meet a lady who was an accountant and a lady who was an event organiser. And then my daughter-in-law, who runs ran a social media business. And they said, do you want some help? And I said, yes, please. So we set up a social enterprise. So the blue tits became a social enterprise. And lockdown happened, of course, and I thought that would probably be the death of the blue tits. But it wasn't because we run all our swims off Facebook groups. So every blue tit group has a group. So we have the Perrin Paul's blue tits. We have the Bristol blue tits, etc. In lockdown, we were all looking for some kind of human connection of because course. we were now being starved of it, weren't we? So people who hadn't even swum with us before lockdown joined our group so they were intrigued because of course we had great social media presence i do um videoing and um a little bit of podcasting that kind of stuff so we were engaging with the community so they were hearing about us and again we were all desperate for anything weren't we so we all started listening to podcasts we were looking more on youtube for videos or we were watching um instagram more and reels and so people joined by their thousands and thousands and thousands. And we started then doing these daft little, you know, throwing cold buckets of water over each other's heads and passing it on to the next group. You know, all this, these things that happened in lockdown that connected us. So by the time we came out of lockdown, people were now pretty keen to start swimming and, you know, um, and leisure centres were closed. So people were looking for a way of exercising. So being in the outdoors was that way, wasn't it? So swimming just took off. And not just with the blue tits, you know, it took off globally, you know, or certainly in Britain, it took off in a big, big way. So thankfully, we'd got the team together in place before lockdown. So when the blue tits actually started to, to multiply in numbers by the thousands, you know, we went from 10,000 members to 80,000 members in a few years. 
we were ready. You know, we were not ready. I can't say we were ready because every day something surprises me. But we were there. We had everything in place. And so we just continued to grow. So when I started swimming by myself just to train for this ice mile, I didn't have any plan to begin to start. I didn't have any plan to start this global movement. And over the years, I've just been fortunate enough to observe how the seemingly simple thing of getting people together in a non-competitive, non-judgmental way is life-changing. So, it's so been, tell me, and, you say it's life-changing, and, and I am intrigued by so much of what you've said, and I can picture all of these groups, Sean, across the UK with their swimsuits on and off they go. But what kind of people have joined? I mean, what kind of community, what kind of backgrounds, who, who, are, who are your blue tits? Well, I think when I was doing, when I was young, when I was in school, I was not sporty and I was very much put into the category of being a creative. I could sing, I could act. Um, and, you know, that was me. And I was not your stereotypical body type to be sporty. So I was a little bit large. And so sport was never offered to me. It was always like, oh, no, just go and sing something. You're, you're good at that. So I grew up always believing I wasn't very good at sport. And it wasn't for me. I wasn't the right body shape. I would never fit in. So when I was doing triathlons and long distance running, I continued to feel that. I was the slow person at the back. I was the one that laughed too much. I was the one that would stop to help somebody else over the line because I really didn't care where I came. Mm. I was just pleased to be alive. I was pleased to finish, to be honest. And I, I used to celebrate this, that I'd finished that I was brave enough to join something and then I was fortunate enough to have finished. So I was always very noisy and I was always celebrating and I couldn't understand why other people didn't do it. Everybody was saying, oh, I didn't knock off that two seconds off my PB and this. And I was like, just be grateful you're here. And yeah. so when when the blue tit started, I was very conscious of this and I, I wanted everybody to have a little piece of the joy that I was having. So I didn't want to put any restrictions on people and I didn't want to put restrictions on who could join, you know, men, women, however people identified, because I just think we're all humans. Let's just get on together. And so what I've seen is life changing is that people a have found the courage to come along to a new group. That's massive. Mm. I remember having the courage and so terrified turning up to a running group because I'm thinking am I too big to join am I too old am I too slow am I not serious enough for this so when these people have made the decision to come along to a blue tit swim they've had the same fears am I too old am I too thin am I too this this and that so they've done that they've 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 decided they're going to do it they've turned up massive massive big step that's the first thing the second step is deciding to strip off to the world, to show the world your body in a swimsuit or trunks or a bikini, whatever, or a wetsuit, whatever it is you choose to wear. Massive, huge step. The third thing is deciding to go in. Am I going to make a fool of myself? Am I going to scream? Am I going to run out and start crying? Then the fourth thing is to actually put your body in that water. It's huge to do that. So whenever people come along, Blue tits have, have this way about them. Well done for turning up. Congratulations. You're very welcome. And people will often say, oh, I'm not a swimmer. I've never done this before. I don't know if I can do it. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. If you don't want to swim today, don't swim today. Just sit there and enjoy it. Watch what happens. 
it often only takes one session for people to realize everything is okay. Nobody is going to tell you you can't do this. Nobody is going to stare at you. Nobody is going to say, oh, you've got to stay in for two minutes. And nobody is going to say, you can't get out now. It's far too soon. It's okay. If you scream, if you swear, it's okay. And that's what I love about the Blue Tits. And wherever I go, whatever group I go and swim with, and I do my best to swim with as many groups as I possibly can. We call it tits on tour, where people go off and swim with other groups. I'm always amazed by how this is the same in most groups. And the only thing I can think of is that you wouldn't join a group called the Blue Tits if you didn't have a certain sense of humour. You join a group with a much more sensible name. However, I, I love the fact that because you've got that sense of humour, it completely brings everybody in. And, and it's such a leveller, isn't it? As you were just talking then, I remember I spoke at a keynote a few years ago and the, the breaks of the keynotes were activities. And one of the activities was to get into Lake Windermere and, and swim. And they offered wetsuits. And I remember being behind a tree with two other um, of the delegates, both of whom, were, not that it matters, but that were men that I'd never met before. And we we're all trying to help each other do up their, our wetsuits. And, and, you know, then we were, well, who's going to get in first? And, you know, big toe in. And, and that whole whole experience was just a wonderful experience, but it was incredibly levelling. And so I, I can absolutely associate with this idea of, not only is it a wonderfully courageous thing to even turn up, but then actually it doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, where you've come from, you're just all there to have to swim and and to grow in some way in terms of, you know, your your own personality and, and use that courage wonderfully. So I love that this I can picture the scene. It's very very visual what you're describing. And I love the tits on tour. That that has made me chuckle. Um, well, what about um how, what it gives people? Because you know, obviously courage and confidence comes to mind when you talk about the fact people have even turned up. But what else do you see that maybe surprised you once once you saw all of these communities together? One thing I suppose is that in life in general, we have restrictions. So we are we are human beings living lives. We go to work, we have children, we look after horses, dogs, you know, whatever it is. We've got lots of things in our life that we have to conform to because we have to get through the day and there's certain things we have to do. So swimming or turning up to a blue tit meet then, because we have a lot of dry tits who don't swim and they're very welcome to come along. So turning up for a blue tit meet is that moment in your day or in your week possibly, where you can just be you. You know in that group that you are accepted no matter who you are, what you are. You can be the loud one, you can be the quiet one, you can be the one that brings the cake, you can be the one that lights the fire, you can be the one that actually is very quiet because you are, you're that person, you're very quiet and you've decided that you want to come to the group to be quiet. You see it as a, a moment where you don't necessarily talk but you see it, you see it however you want to be. So you come along and you can be you. I am often quite loud anyhow and I make a lot of noise. But when I go along to a group, I like to listen to other people. I like it to be that time where I immerse myself in listening to the stories. And I love watching how people change when throughout the swim. So we all turn up a little bit nervous. I've been doing it for eight years, but it's still, oh, is it going to be cold today? Oh, those waves, waves are quite, quite big today. You know, all of these things still go through your head. 
And then when we come out, that's where the magic happens, because now we've done the thing that's a little bit scary. We've done the things that we've maybe had to drag ourselves out of bed to do. Oh, I don't want to swim today, but I'm going to go anyhow because I've told six people I'm going. We've done it. Now that lovely bit is coming where we get warm. We've brought that cup of coffee. Oh, I'm so glad I took the time to make that cup of coffee in a flask this morning. And the cakes come out. And this is where the real lovely chat starts because people are now full of that wonderful free drug adrenaline. They've got it. You know, they're they're there. They're talking. They're laughing. They're now about to go home and they feel great because they've done their little bit of exercise today. So I love watching that interaction with people and listening to them and seeing that joy on their faces. And that is infectious for everybody, of course, because we're all looking at the joy on each other's faces. We're laughing a little bit louder when we come out. And we always have this thing, you know, what's um, said in the water stays in the water and it's a bit cheesy. But it kind of does happen because when people go into the water and they get that hit of the cold, you know, it takes about 90 seconds for you to get used to it. And then we start and all sorts of things come out of people's mouths which make us laugh. Or maybe it's something that actually makes you want to hug somebody because that's the moment where they say, I've finally done it. I've left my job. I've left it. I've done it. And because we've been chatting over the weeks about how massive this has been for the person to pluck up the courage to leave their horrible job, people will hug you. They might be crying. And it's absolutely fine. At that moment, it's absolutely fine. And we do tend to forget those things when we leave the water. It's it's incredible what happens in the water and literally does stay, not literally, and really does stay in the water. Well, it's a so moment, just, isn't it? It's a moment when you're together. Yes, yes. moment. And, and, and the community that you're creating, it, what strikes me from what you're saying is that not only is it building confidence in individuals, but it's the community that is doing that, that level of support, encouragement, and going back to the basics of actually giving people time and valuing that time together to hear those stories. Now, tell me a couple of great stories, obviously not necessarily by name, but you must hear all sorts of inspirational stories from people around their lives. Well, the most recent um, is from a, a dry tit. So a lady who doesn't swim. I think she will swim but she's not ready yet. And so she moved to this area. And this is quite a common story is people who move to an area and are lonely. They are people in their maybe 50s and 60s who have decided to move, we'll say Pembrokeshire, because that's where I am. And a lot of people do move to Pembrokeshire because it's a beautiful place to retire. But they're lonely. So they don't have any particular hobby. They don't go to the pub. They are maybe alone or they've come with a partner, but they're lonely. So they hear about the Blue Tits being a group um, which will accept everybody. And it's an awful lot of fun. So this lady had been housebound for a couple of years. She'd moved to the area, had a dreadful time with her partner and all sorts of horrible things happened. Then she had an operation and it didn't go very well. So mobility became difficult for her. So she employed the services of a dog walker who happens to be one of our group admins. She runs one of our local swim, blue tit swim groups here. After a couple of years, the dog walker said, just come along. You don't need to swim. Just come along. Now, this was a massive um, thing for this lady, because even getting in the car, leaving the house was massive. Anyhow, she did. And she told us very briefly that it was a huge moment for her to come along. 
After a few weeks, she was able to take off her shoes and do them up again when she, not paddling, but she was able to take off her shoes and just put her feet on the ground. She was so overjoyed by this, she went to tell her practice nurse that she had, after many, many years of not being able to put her own shoes on, she'd A, left the house, and B, she could now put her shoes on. So the nurse said, how did you do it? She said, oh, I joined the Blue Tits. And I, I just sit there and I light the fire for them and I watch and I drink my coffee and I take my dog and it's all marvellous. I've left the house. My life is suddenly starting to improve. And the nurse said to her, I would love to do that, but look at me, I can't. And she is a larger lady. And so this new dry tit said, of course you can. Just come with me. You can do this. So within six weeks, she was already putting her hand out and saying, yes, you can, you can do this. And I love this story because it took six weeks for this lady to feel that she was part of our community, a valid part of our community. And she was already putting her hand out to somebody else who didn't think that they could join because they were too large to be seen in a swimsuit. And it's a seemingly simple story again, but it's what I love about the Blue Tits. People find the courage, they come along, and then within a few weeks or months, they are putting their hands out to other people and saying, come along, you don't have to swim, you don't have to say anything, you don't have to do anything, just come, just sit and be with us and you can soak up some of the joy and hopefully soon you can feel part of that joy. I love that, I, I just absolutely bloody love that 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 is what we've become not necessarily about swimming yes of course the swimming is the bit that gives you that adrenaline hit but people are still finding that just being part of this crazy community this being part of this wonderful joyous community is helpful to them just talking just being in the outdoors is helpful to people. And I think, where, how did we get here that we just needed to have this wonderful time? You know, why, why did we not, why aren't we doing this all the time? I mean, maybe we are. And so somebody asked me, what was the difference between coming along to the Blue Tits and going to a crochet group, which is, you know, equally um, part, you know, it's a community group. You can have fun, you can have coffee and cake and all of that kind of stuff there. And the definitely the cold water adrenaline hit is the part that really makes people more alive, more joyous. They scream, they shout. It gives you, for that 90 seconds, your brain can think of nothing else other than survival. And I don't mean that in a dramatic way. It literally is a reset button where you've forgotten about the email. You've forgotten about that horrid meeting you had yesterday with somebody. Your brain can only think of it. But the dry tits who aren't in the water are still picking up on that adrenaline. They can hear the screams. They can see the smiles when they come out. They can feel that the mood has been lifted. So even though they're not getting the adrenaline hit, they are getting like a secondary adrenaline hit just from being around people who are full of adrenaline. So that is the difference, is that little kick of adrenaline that we get. And I suppose we're in the open air. We're outdoors and wherever we go swimming in groups, other people who are nothing to do with the blue tits are drawn to us. So particularly in the summer months now when there are more and more people around, people will come up to us and say, 
Are you going swimming? Goodness me, you've been swimming. Was it cold in the water? How long did you stay in? So they get drawn into it. And if it's with me or most blue tits around here, they'll say, would you like to come swimming? Oh, no, 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 no. I could never possibly. I couldn't. Oh, just come along. Just come along and join us. And then they'll say, oh, I, I come from our broth. And we'll say, oh, there's a, there's a group in our broth. You can join them. And that might lead to them then going on to Facebook and looking. And then they might look for six months, but then something might say to them at one point, oh, I might go along. So it's, it's, it's infectious. The whole thing is infectious. Joy, laughter, chatting is infectious. People want to be part of it and people see us smiling. So they think they can approach us. You know, we're not all there looking at our garments going, oh, it's a real shame I didn't knock two seconds off my PB today. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is that people are drawn to us because we're laughing, smiling, joking. And we need that. We need it. I mean, in this in this world, we need as many opportunities to be joyous and smile and have that positive, contagious environment as possible. So I love the fact that there are these ripples, forgive the pun, wasn't meant to be, but these ripples everywhere across the country of these wonderful blue tick groups who are really, really positively energising and bringing joy to one another and allowing people to be vulnerable and, and build their resilience by the sound of it in terms of not only the physical resilience that you get, but also that emotional resilience around actually, oh gosh, I can do this. And I've chunked it down into the first step, which is leaving the house. And then my second second step is putting um, undoing my shoes, I think was your example. Just how wonderful that is to say, actually, you don't need to jump in to start with. And I think there's there's many parallels in life there. Just take the very first step, see there where, see where that takes you, and then go from there. So I love it. Listen, we could talk all day I'd, and, and, and talk and then maybe jump in some kind of open water. I should come down to Pembrokeshire to your caravan site and uh, I can hear the seagulls behind you. So see the seagulls as well as the blue tits. But, but just tell us briefly, where, where are you going next with this? Because by the sound of it, you never set out to create this community at the scale and have the impact that it's had. So what next for you? Gosh, yeah, we never quite know what's coming next. Um, that's part of the joy of the Blue Tits because we have this enormous community all around the world. People are always doing something new in their groups and they come up with a different idea. And so the whole Tits on Tour thing started after lockdown where Blue Tits started going to other groups because that's the other joy of Blue Tits because we've got Facebook groups. You can, if you're going on holiday to Penzance, you can look on our website and you can see that there's a blue tick group there. You just join them. They let you into the group and then you see all the swims that are happening and you just turn up. Hi, I'm a blue tick. Where are you from? Oh, amazing. Come and join us. So that's how Tits on Tour started. The, the blue tits holiday thing started because people started coming to Pembrokeshire here where the blue tits all began. And they were saying to me, will you take us swimming here? Will you take us swimming there? So we created uh, some money. We got some money together and we created Blue Tit Swim Coaches around the UK. So they now run swimming holidays. So we organised swimming holidays where we have these coaches on the holidays and we do swimming tours. So you come along for three to four days, you stay in a bunkhouse and you go swimming with our coaches. So that was never planned. And that's brilliant because we have everybody together in a bunkhouse for three days. They've come from all over Britain. They don't know each other. And the noise just gets louder and louder and louder till on Sunday night, everybody explodes because it's great. Our swim coaches, again, have been trained in the blue tit way. They were already blue tits, so they already know about blue tits. They never say, how far can you swim? 
da-di-da-di-da. It's just like, come on, let's get in. We're all in this together. So that was something that happened, the holidays. And I never really know what's going to happen next. It's always a little bit of um, an interesting surprise. You know, I'd like to... I'd like to do more around sea safety. So I've now become very aware that it's, and we've always been aware about safety, but I've never liked the message, don't do this, don't do that. People will do things. Humans will always do things. So the best way is to say, this is how it's advisable to do something. Learn about the tides, learn about river levels, learn all of these things, enjoy learning enjoy that power that comes from learning that you can look at where you're about to swim and go well I'm going to go in over there because going in over there doesn't look good to me for ABC reasons so we've always had that about the blue tits as is that's been there that you know we've encouraged people we say it's called don't be a tit be a blue tit so learn about safety so now we would like to create sea safety officers all around our groups so there is always somebody in the group that you can go to if you need advice very much like the rnli have sea safety officers that anybody can access at any time we would now like to have blue tit water safety officers not sea safety because of course we swim in rivers and lakes as well and that is something that we're doing at the moment is starting to get funds together to be able to train these water safety officers in every group and you know, to work with the community, to have days where you can come along and learn about a rip current or to learn about um, how a massive rainfall can affect river levels, this kind of thing. So I suppose that's our next big thing is to raise the money to have, there'll be an awful lot of these water safety officers. So we will be looking for some grant funding or some way of raising money for that one. And it's going to be massive because this means a lot to me. I want, I want us to be seen as a group that have fun and are inclusive and all of that, but also that we know basic water safety um, things that we know. It's not really a good way of putting it. We, we are aware you know, we're not just throwing ourselves into cold water um, with gay abandon. You know, we are actually taking that side of it seriously, but also having fun, which you can. Yeah, well, it's doing it mindfully, isn't it? It's doing it mindfully, yes. knowing yes. what you're doing and then having fun with it. So it doesn't feel like it's suddenly become too formal. And I love the yes. idea of the power of learning and that that actually by learning, it gives us power. I think there's a wonderful mm. phrase there that we, we should all remember. Sean, oh, it's been wonderful talking to you. I genuinely feel like we could carry on, but I'm going to pause us there. And I hope those listening are inspired to go along and either as a dry or, or as a water bluted, go and experience both the community, the connection and the confidence that you're obviously bringing across the country. So good luck with the ongoing journey. Good luck with getting the safety element up as well. And I hope to see you at one of your sites soon when you're on tour. But good luck for the summer in Pembrokeshire in the meantime. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Continue the journey at www.theculturebuilders.com.